0: Hi, welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Inas Kosana. Thanks for joining us. Today, we talk about bush crickets. Here are some of the sounds they make. Our guest is Aileen van der Mecht, a postdoctoral researcher in the Department of Zoology and Entomology at the University of Free State in South Africa. I picked her brain on her research relating to bush crickets. Aileen, tell us, what do you do and where do you work?
1: I'm currently employed as a postdoctoral research fellow at the Department of Zoology and Entomology at the University of the Free State in Bloemfontein. But um, my work actually started from when I was doing my master's at Stellenbosch University in the Conservation and Ecology Department. And I started working on the eco-acoustics of bush crickets or katydids and what we're talking about here actually stems from my PhD which I also completed at Stellenbosch where I looked at bush
0: cricket diversity across
1: a production landscape.
0: Please give us a general introduction of what a bush cricket is.
1: Bush crickets are very cool creatures because, firstly, the males produce species-specific calls which they use to attract female mates. So by calling at night, because they're nocturnal, they use these calls in the landscape to attract the potential mates. And then this obviously allows them to breed and continue this population survival. Apart from just being useful to bush crickets themselves, researchers can also use their calls to identify what species are in the landscape. Why are we particularly interested in doing this with bush crickets? It's because they're quite closely related to grasshoppers, and we know that grasshoppers are good indicators of habitat quality. We wanted to use their calls across the landscape to see how landscape transformation in a production landscape where you've got plantation forestry alongside grasslands and indigenous forests, how this habitat transformation impacts the greater distribution of bush crickets in the landscape by listening to them and not catching them.
0: That's really, really interesting. But what are bush crickets?
1: They are a member of the order Orthoptera. So Orthoptera comprises crickets, grasshoppers and all sorts of things that have jumping legs and long antennae or short antennae. So bush crickets in particular, they are a family within the longhorn grasshoppers. So the longhorn grasshoppers are your crickets and part-time prawns, everything that have long antennae. Um, this family, bush crickets, is highly diverse in South Africa. There's about 169 known species of them. And of these, about 123 have IUC and red list threat statuses assigned to them. So there's quite a lot of information that we know about the species. We know roughly their distribution across landscapes. And because the males produce these species specific songs or calls, there's this additional layer of information that we can get from the species. So you don't just have a species that's sitting static in the environment. You can use their calls to infer how they're actually interacting with the environment.
0: How and where did you go about your study?
1: So this study was done as part of a PhD from Stellenbosch University. And I've worked on a production landscape in KwaZulu-Natal. It's a plantation dominated landscape. And to record the species, calling well there's a lot of different equipment that you can use and i used the wildlife acoustics song meters and these are quite little nifty devices they weatherproof boxes with an external microphone and you can program them to record uh, for a particular length of time at a particular time when and they're not mad so you pop them up on a tree or um, on a rock in the environment you turn them on and you leave them and they do all the work for you because bush crickets are nocturnal this is quite handy because you can't walk into a forest in the middle of the night to go listen to these creatures it's a bit dangerous and you might fall off a cliff so that's what I did I recorded for five minutes every second hour from seven o'clock in the evening to five o'clock in the morning, four nights at a site, and then I moved them around different habitat types for about six weeks.
0: What did your research actually find out?
1: This particular study actually focused in on one species that I thought was, firstly, it drew my attention because it looked quite interesting. It's called Thoracis thoraeus, or the inflated seed pod um, Katie did. And an insect has a head, a thorax, and an abdomen to use basic terms. And this particular species' thorax is it blows up like or it's inflated like a balloon. That's why it's called the seed pod, Katy did. And it reaches right to the end of its abdomen. And this forms a cavity with under which its tegmina or its wings sit. And when it rubs its wings together to produce its call, this call is amplified by this balloon structure or this. Expanded pronotum or thorax, and it calls over a greater distance. So, because I thought the species was quite interesting, I delved down into it a little bit more, and then came across its IUCN red list threat status, and it was considered, or it is considered, to be critically endangered. And this was interesting because I was finding the species in both plantations, grasslands, and indigenous forests in the landscape. So, if it's critically endangered, it's thought that plantation forestry and grazing in these landscapes is, has a negative impact on the species. So it seemed quite different that it was thriving in spaces where it shouldn't be thriving. So what I wanted to do was look at this Thoracostyraeus species and all the other species in the landscape that we're calling and see whether or not there was direct co- um, acoustic interaction between the species. So and where exactly these species are calling so if there's maybe one species that interacts with the rassus thoreus in one vegetation type it might not be found in another vegetation with the species but what i did find is that the species are, in general there's about 11 catered species are found and they were well distributed across the whole landscape so there were species in the grasslands Uh, and the plantations and the indigenous forests. And the assemblage tends to change a little bit. So there was an assemblage of species that was more strongly associated to the grasslands. And then there was an assemblage of species that was more associated towards the plantations
0: and indigenous forests. You got into it a bit, but what does this actually tell you?
1: So because all these species communicate acoustically, that there's another layer of resources that they're using in the environment. They're not just um, competing for physical resources like food and water, but they also compete for acoustic space. So acoustically, different sounds have different frequencies. Humans, we talk quite low, then you get some birds there as well. And then as you go up, you get higher and higher and higher until you hit the ultrasonic frequencies like bats. Now, bush crickets... They call at a broad, a wide range of frequencies. So that's what I was interested in, is plotting the different frequencies of the different species calls and seeing whether or not there was direct acoustic interference between calls. So if you imagine sitting in a crowded um, restaurant and you're trying to talk to the person at the the corner across everyone else having conversations with everyone else it's going to be a lot of noise that you have to fight against so in theory bush crickets are able to call at different frequencies so one calls at a lower frequency and it's the recipient or the female will hear at that lower frequency and then the next species will call at a higher frequency and the female will hear at that frequency and so forth so you've got species calling at different frequencies but then they don't hear the other species. So if you go back to being in a crowded restaurant. It means if you okay. spoke to your friend at the other corner at a certain frequency that was different to everyone else in the um, restaurant and your recipient or your friend can hear at that frequency, you're going to cut that background noise out. Okay. So this means that thoracic thyroid has a very low frequency in comparison to all the other species. So it's not indirect acoustic interference with other species because it's calls lower than the next species calls at about 2000 kilohertz above that. So there's no interference in between the songs. There was one case where there were two species that call at the same frequency band and call them in the study, but they have different structures to the call. So the one species has a very sharp or very short little chirp that is chirp, and then the next species has a very long, like noisy whistle tap call and just goes the whole time. But it stops, and then so that means there's a temporal differentiation between the species' calls. So this little chirper can call in between the breaks and the other species' call and still be heard by its recipient female. And then the other thing that was quite interesting is that because the catered diversity in this landscape is very well distributed in both the natural and the transformed areas, and this indicates that the species are perhaps slightly more resilient to transformation than what we originally thought. In particular, being critically endangered, we're finding it now in transformed areas. So it's likely that its assessment on the IUCN Red List isn't as accurate as it could be, and it could possibly be lower, but this would require more study and further understanding
0: of the species. Tell us, why do we need bush crickets? I mean, why are they important? You can ask if what, why does anything matter
1: and in particular with insects and biodiversity, there's so much that we don't know. So if we go out today and cut down a tree, you don't know what species live in that tree or whether or not that species only lives in that particular tree. So We can't know everything that there is to know, but it's good to have a better understanding of the baseline biodiversity in the areas that we're working in. And that will just help us make conservation decisions that have better trajectories in the future. We're not always going to get it right, but it's better to do better than to not do better.
0: Can you tell us anything fun or interesting to note about bush crickets? So because they're nocturnal, they go
1: they creep away during the day and they don't want to come out and they don't want to be eaten by predators. So that makes them excellent mimics. So they often look like leaves or the backgrounds in which they try and camouflage themselves during the day. So I mentioned the Rastostyraeus because it looks a lot like a seed pod. So if it sits on a piece of uh, branch and it just sits there, you're going to overlook it as a predator during the day. There's a species in South America that's mimics lichen so on its body it's got these little fine like branches that branch off and then when it walks it, it like, stumbles backwards and forwards along a branch so it waves in the the wind like and it looks like walking lichen so a predator is going to walk past or fly past and not think anything of it because they communicate acoustically they need to have ears but they don't have ears in a normal spot as humans do we've got our ears on our head they have their ears on their forelegs. So I think that's quite cool. Many insects provide ecosystem services that we rely on. So, you know, like bees will pollinate our um, food crops. So if we don't have bees, we're not going to have food crops. But bush crickets feature in many food webs and they're also important nutrient recyclers so when they eat vegetation or they scavenge on other um, dead insects in the environment they obviously digest these proteins and the um, plant material and then from those excretions the correct term for grasshopper poop is frass so this frass is a nutrient-rich product which then releases these nutrients that have been digested back into your ecosystem so it's they can be little fertilizers on legs
0: Bush crickets are fascinating creatures. They form part of a complex cycle of life and are part of the food web. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pasha, produced by Ozea Patel. From me, Inas Kosana. bye for now.